Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my friend, Nicole Mitchell, famously known as the pastor turned stripper. Cole, my friend, I'm so excited to have you here. And I know that intro is probably people like, what the fuck are they talking about? And the reason I wanted to have you on the show, one, is I know you, you're my friend, you're my homie. We've spent time together, broken bread. I've gotten to know you and your story is just incredible. And I was thinking about it when I invited you onto the show. I was like, people need to understand the power of controlling your identity. And I was like, I don't know anyone better than you to have this conversation. And so with that, I welcome you, my friend. How are you? What is happening in your world today? What's up? Oh my gosh, Michael. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be the most fun and, and deep conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. Truly, it is an honor. For those who do not know you, tell us a little about your story, your journey, and how you got to where you are today. Yes. So I've gone viral as the pastor term stripper. I've gone viral as being known for going from food stamps to seven figures. Um, I grew up really religious, really conservative, um, picked up on messaging at a really young age of what it meant to be a good girl. And a good girl stayed small. A good girl sacrificed her own wants for the sake of others. A good girl stayed behind the scene. All the women in my churches and communities were either in the kitchen or in the nursery. And all the leaders and teachers and powerful people were all men. And so while it wasn't explicitly told, Nicole, you stay in the nursery or kitchen, I saw it. I saw it lived out. And that's the messaging I took. I took was like, oh, I know where I belong. I stay small and I do everything behind the scenes to make the men shine. And I tried so hard to be that, that good girl. I tried to fit that mold with everything in me. And up until my mid-20s even, and I went to my first church ever that allowed women to be pastors. And I can't believe I'm saying this in the 21st century. Like, how is this still a thing? Like, women are fucking equal to men. I don't know how that's still being argued. Um, but it was, like, liberating for me. I saw women in positions of power. I saw women in leadership. And as a natural leader, I felt this thing I'd, like, stuffed down and clamped down, like, come alive. And I was like, oh, that's me. I'm a fucking leader and like I can speak on stages and talk to thousands and lead and like inspire people. And so I um, became a pastor there, one of many pastors and it's a big mega church. And in many ways, it freed me. But as the higher I rose up, the more I felt snuffed out. They didn't want me to be me. They wanted me to be a version of the main head pastor. And as I'm rising up in ranks, I'm jumping through more hoops and I'm compromising who I am more and more and more to please people leadership. I'm like, why am I? why am I doing this? 
Like, why am I being paid scraps to be someone that's not even me? This doesn't make sense. It goes against everything they say. What they say was different from what they taught or what they embodied. And so in 2017, I was really disillusioned with the church. I was sick of being broke. We were on food stamps for eight years. I was married then. We had three little kids. It was so frustrating. It was so exhausting. I was doing all the right things I was taught to do. And I was broken, miserable. And so I decided to just walk away from it all and figure out who is Nicole really? When I'm away from all the indoctrination and all of the standards and expectations others put on me, who am I really? What do I want? Who do I want to be? What's the life I want to live? And so I left everything in 2017. I was like Elsa and Frozen. I like left the known for the unknown, followed the call that's in my heart. And it was terrifying because I had no idea where it was going to lead me, much less to where I am today, where I'm an, a full-time adult content creator. I'm a life coach. I just crossed my first million a few months ago in my business. And it was all because I was willing to leave everything I once was for the sake of finding who I really am. Hey, what's up, my friend? We'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know about a brand new feature we are adding to the Think I'm Broken podcast, where I'm going to be answering your questions. That's right. If you have a question about healing, trauma, overcoming, or becoming the hero of your own story, all you need to do is go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com and click Ask Michael a Question, where you'll be able to leave up to a two-minute voice note for me to answer any question about anything you have about life, your journey, and healing. So head over to Think Unbroken Podcast. Dot com. Click Ask Michael a Question, and I will answer your question on a future episode of the Think Unbroken podcast. And until then, my friend, be unbroken. It's incredible. And I, I relate to so much of that. You know, it's funny, actually, this, this past weekend, I was in Salt Lake City with one of my very close friends. And everyone on this show knows I grew up in a hyper-abusive Mormon household. And I actually removed myself from the church and its indoctrination when I was 12. And look, context, I always have to say this, I'm not defaming or belittling church or God or religion, you do you. But for me, that didn't make sense. And for a long time, it held over my head. It was like always there, always stopping me. I used to have panic attacks when I would go by a church or somebody would invite me. And I was like, this is really weird. So it took a lot of healing to get through the religious trauma aspects of this. And in Salt Lake City this weekend, having being around a church on every corner like fucking Starbucks, I was having a conversation with my friend. I was like, oh, it's incredible the amount of healing I've done against this religious trauma because I'm not impacted by this at all. Mm -hmm. You know, you see all these guys walking around with their name tags and the girls and their dresses and you're like, yeah, do you. So again, that's not about a thing of being offensive to anyone. It's just simply to say like, there are times in your life where you have to question everything because without questioning everything, I think that kind of takes away free will. And when we sit in the indoctrination of really so much dogma that is handed down from us generation to generation, we get trapped in it. Even today I was listening to a podcast and, and someone said something that was just fascinating. Neo Davis, if you know, who Neo is, he was on Dan Henry's show. And what he said was that this idea that we have been trapped in an education system that has led us to this mm -hmm. place where we just simply have to be what they tell us. But but entrepreneurship and trusting and believing yourself is kind of like the ultimate pushback against that. And and I was thinking about that getting ready for this conversation with you. And I was like, that's literally 
both your life and my life simultaneously and independent. Uh, I want to go back and and start this really in this place, thinking about this idea of leadership. And I, I want to start there because you said, I feel like I was a leader. I was a leader, but I wasn't getting my stage, my opportunity to be myself. You even mentioned like they wanted you to be a carbon copy of this other pastor. What was, when did leadership become evident in your life? Why has it held true for you? And how have you been able to leverage and use your words to be an effective leader? That's a good question, Michael. You know, I, I feel like I became first aware of it in high school. I noticed I had this ability to t- take people from very different cliques in my high school and we could hang out because I was there. I was like this person who bridged the gap. And then if I was sick or out from school, those people would have nothing to do with each other. And then when I come back to school, they'd be like, oh my God, thank God you're back. I could not stand so-and-so when you were gone. But then when I was there, we could all hang out, have an amazing time. And I thought that's so interesting. When I'm around, people are able to gather and congregate, connect and converse. But when I'm gone, they can't stand each other. And I realized this influence I had. And I, so I try to channel that in my youth group. Like I try to be a leader as much as a woman was allowed to be or a young woman was allowed to be, but I was still very capped. So I tried to work within these really strict confines. I could speak, I could share my story to the group, but I'm not allowed to teach. I can speak in front of my fellow peers, but I'm not allowed to preach. It was like so many technicalities and so much legalism. And I'd always try to wiggle my way around. Even in Bible college, I, I knew I was meant to speak on stages. And so I'd say, I'm going to be a motivational speaker because I'm not allowed to say I'm, I'm, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a teacher. That's not allowed. But if I say motivational speaker, some audiences will let me speak to men and women. So I kept trying to find a way to fit the appropriate spot that people had available for someone like me. And even at that mega church, I was like a leader, but still just they were trying to make me a carbon copy. And at some point I said, am I going to keep trying to be who they need me to be? Or am I willing to step out into the unknown and become all that I'm able to be without the confines. And it's terrifying, but it's also thrilling because you actually have a shot at creating life on your terms when you're no longer trying to live by someone else's. Yeah, that's so true. And I I heard you think about this for a moment, like all of the greatest people in sports, they all have one thing in common, all of the greatest people in leadership, they all have one thing in common, all the greatest people in business, they all have one thing in common. And that's that you always hear this old adage about this idea that belief is everything. And, and I think so often, and especially in dogmatic environments, belief is stripped of you. How are you in this time? Because, you know, here's what I think is really fascinating about your story is you're in this position of trying to make the world a better place in the way that you see fit while also simultaneously kind of trapped in this system and fighting against it to share your voice and your message while simultaneously being on fucking food stamps. <laughs> How, like, what is happening in your life in this moment where you're like, I'm going to trust myself and go for this anyway, because a lot of people will hear that and be like, man, that's rock bottom. Like, why bother? And I hear that and I'm like, that's the perfect time to shift. Yeah. I think for those of us who are born for greatness, we know it at a very young age. I remember being in late elementary school, early middle school, pretending to do TV commercials in front of my hallway mirror. Because I knew I was meant to be famous. And like, I felt that way. I'd act that way. But once the word got out to my friends and close friends, everyone laughed. Like, 
they, they saw it as vain, as shallow, selfish, silly to want to be famous. And so I quickly snuffed that dream down and hit it. And then later, but it's always there. We always know when we're meant for more. And it's not for everyone. And that's the thing is like, you have to figure out for yourself, is greatness meant for you? Do you want to go to the next level? Do you believe more is available for you? Because if you do, it is. If you don't, it's not. Like we get to create the realities we want to live in. And so once I started to surround myself with people who were living out their power and potential, I saw representation. When I saw women online making a lot of money, I was like, oh shit. Does that mean I can make a lot of money online too? So I look for people who emulated the life that I wanted to have. And the more I surrounded myself with them, the more I listened to the way they talked, the way they talked about themselves, the way they believed in themselves, it started to be almost like a, an infusion of their belief into me, of my own self-belief. And I was like, if they can do it, surely Nicole can do it too. Yeah. And there's a, in my experience, going through a very similar process, it was well, I've got to actually convince myself that I believe it. What was that journey like for you? Yeah. I always tell my clients, it's not about convincing others. It's about convincing yourself because once you're convinced, others will become convinced. Once you believe, others will believe as within, so without. Our external is always a reflection of our internal. So our biggest and the hardest and most important work we can do is that all the stuff inside of here, in our part, in our mind, the stories we tell, the beliefs we hold, the, the possibilities or the limits we place on ourselves. So, so much of my coaching support is like doing the internal work because once we clear stuff up in here, we clear stuff up out here. And so it was a journey to step into believing that I was worthy of more because I was taught by religion. I was deserving of hell. I deserved nothing but garbage, scraps. And then I found these other people who believed we are inherently good that we are inherently whole, that we actually do deserve all the good. And I, that was such a foreign concept to me that it took me a, a lot of reprogramming of believing that Nicole Mitchell is inherently worthy of good things, that I deserve not just crumbs, I deserve the whole damn buffet. And once I could like start to replace these really unhelpful and harmful stories with better and truer ones, I felt the shift. I felt from me like kind of cowering and contracting to like expansive and powerful I went from like tolerating a lot of shit to like having such a low tolerance for bullshit. Like once those beliefs changed, my energy changed, my body changed, my decisions changed, but it had to start in here. No one could do that work for me. I had to do it myself. Yeah. And that's the part that I wish, you know, it doesn't matter how many coaches you have, how many podcasts you listen to, how many books you read. Like it, it really is about that transformation within yourself. That's going to lead you to that place in that what was the greatest thing that you discovered about who you are? That I am really as powerful as I feel I am. It makes me think of that Marianne Williamson quote, which I'm totally going to botch, but where she says, it's not like our smallness that scares us. It's our greatness that scares us, that we are actually as powerful as we feel ourselves to be. And I remember reading that quote like four or five years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh. That's it. I feel immensely powerful. I'm kind of terrified of the change I will create in my life and in the world if I fully step into and own it. And now that I'm here, as I've shifted from food stamps to my first million dollars, as I went from good girl to free woman, I am I have so much evidence of holy shit. I really am that powerful. And 
I know I've just begun. I've only begun to tap into my power and potential. And I am now tickled, delighted, thrilled to see what I'm going to create over the next few years and across my lifetime. I relate to that a lot. You know, when I was young, and I've said this 8,000 times on the show, um, I I just wanted to be in the Foo Fighters or Jay-Z. I, like, I wanted to be a rock star. That's oh my it. God. And, yes. and, and, you know, it's funny because to some extent, in my head, I am because I'm like on these big stages with the microphone moving audiences to tears, right? I mean, obviously, you've seen me speak, and that's like this really crazy thing. But when I was young, it was very much kind of that thing like you were like practicing in the mirror, and then I'll like practice, do all these things. And, and it was interesting, because the more and more people would hear about my dreams as a kid, I distinctly remember this, the more that they would shit on and be like, you're never gonna do that. And we are the sum total of all of our experiences leading to this moment. And to be dismissive of that is dangerous. And so it's slowly implanted in your head, time and again, don't think so big. Don't want so much. Be happy with what you have. Be satisfied. Enjoy the crumbs because at least you fucking got them. And I always felt like, no, that doesn't make sense to me because why can those people have it? Like, I, I distinctly remember um, the show. Oh, my God. What was it called? Uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. I would watch that show with Robin Leach and he'd be like, these are the houses of billionaires and trillionaires and the finest elites of the world. And like their lunch costs more money than people I knew would make in an entire year. And I could sit in the living room and watch that show with my grandma. And, and she'd be like, well, don't get your hopes up. And I'm like, that's a really, really poor way to look at the fucking world because you can have anything. When, when you're in this shift and you're starting to realize like, wait a second, in your words, I can have the buffet. What were the things that were actually happening that was reinforcing that belief? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you gave that example of watching Lifestyles Lords and Famous and the comment your grandma made because that's how we get programmed. Without even realizing we're being programmed as kids, these little things that our family or friends or people in society say, my dad was the same way where it's just like, to be rich is to be gross. To be rich is to be ungrateful and greedy. So when I decided to become rich, I had a lot of deprogramming, a lot of unlearning about what that meant. Because I couldn't even say the word rich. I would cringe when I say I want to be rich as if that was inherently wrong, right? So I had to go back and neutralize those stories and realize wealth is neutral, money is neutral. It doesn't change you. It amplifies who you really are. So if you're greedy, you just have more to be greedy with. If you're generous, you have more to be generous with. And I know that I'm a generous and good-hearted person. So if money belongs to anyone, it belongs to me. And so I go through and like take these like memories like you that I have throughout childhood and then flip the script, right? Instead of like, don't get your hopes up. Instead, I imagine my grandma saying to me, girl, that's going to be you. And like retelling the story where it infused me with belief, infused me with power, infused me with hope versus feeling crapped on and small and silly for having these desires to be rich and famous, which is exactly what I've always wanted to be. And to finally have a taste of it in my current life feels so good because I feel like my outsides match my insides. My insides have always known what I've wanted. My external circumstances just never reflected it back to me. It reminds me of Lady Gaga when she like first went viral and was becoming famous and she was being interviewed and they said, how does it feel to be famous? And she said, oh, I've always been famous. You're just now catching on. And I was like, yes, that's it. Like those of us who know we're meant to be great, successful, famous, wealthy, rich beyond reason, whatever I think we know, we know from such an early age and we have all these people around of us 
who don't want us to get hurt, who don't want us to be disappointed. So they crap on our dreams and our desires to try to keep us safe, but trying to keep us safe keeps us small. And in order to go big, you have to take risks. You have to make unsafe decisions, right? You have to invest in yourself at a balance you never thought you would ever do to create the lifestyle, the, the, the business, the income of your dreams. And so thank you for sharing that. And I feel like that's where the work happens. Are you willing to take these stories and scripts that are passed down to you, flip it on its head, and then use that to infuse you to become the most expansive, wealthiest, successful version of yourself? Yeah, 100%. And I like the idea of unsafe calculated decisions, you know, I, because when I, when I first started my, my photography business, when I was like 12 years ago or something crazy now, it was a really unsafe, uncalculated decision, which cost me everything. And, and I learned, I learned a lot of lessons the really hard way doing that. Um, and, and in that, I, I think that I mean, just the human experience. I don't know about you, but I I tend to learn the hard way. Um, you could sit here all fucking day long and be like, don't do that. Don't do that. Try this. Do that. I've seen this work. And it's like, there is some truth to the idea of modeling, right? Model, mimic, master. Brendan Dawson taught me that. But there's also something, and it might just be me, where I'm just like, man, if I don't put my finger in the fucking electrical socket, I'm just never going to know. And so <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm I'm wondering as, as you've stepped into that, that power and that place when, when you're going through and you're learning lessons the hard way, right? When you're like, fuck, I failed. I messed up. I made a mistake. I did this thing I shouldn't have done. And, and I, 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 I'm not in your head, so I don't know this to be true, but when I do that for a millisecond, my brain goes, ah, see, this is why you should have not done the thing to begin with. And it goes, just go do the safe thing, revert, go back. And now I've learned how to squelch that incredibly quickly. It doesn't impact mm -hmm. me. But I'm curious, when, when you face those moments, how, how do you talk to yourself? What is the language you use and, and how do you navigate that? Oh my gosh, those moments totally happened for me, um, which is pretty crazy because I've been doing this now for four years and I've obviously created like incredible results. I have enough evidence to last me a lifetime. If I created nothing beyond this moment, I have enough evidence to last me a lifetime that I can have the power to create any reality I want. I can change anything I want about my life. I can achieve anything I want. But we still have that very human side. We still have like that inner child inside of us that has old fears and old programming that still crops up. So my latest example of that actually, Michael, is this past year was the first year of paid quarterly taxes. And because I've, I've never owed money, the government has always owed me money at tax season because that's how broke I was for nine years in a row. And then when my business started making money, I owed like baby taxes. It was really cute. I was actually excited to pay taxes because like the first time ever, and it was such little amounts. I'm like, oh my God, look at me. I'm a big girl. And so then this past year, I was making so much money that I started paying quarterly taxes and I felt so responsible. I felt savvy. I felt successful. Like I'm an accomplished, wealthy person. Like I'm on top of it. But because of situations, things that happen, taxes, tax season comes and I'm slammed with six figures more in taxes. Right. And it was just like, wait, I've been paying all this money all year long here. I'm thinking I'm going to get to the end of the year and it's nothing. I'm neutral. It's good. I can continue to make profit. And now they need six figures from me. And it's going to wipe me on my, my bank account. And I'm just like, wait a second. And it triggered me enough to freak out this old programming that says, well, see, just as soon as it gets good, something shitty happens. Or you can't trust that the good will always last. Good never lasts. And little Nicole is like freaking out. And I was like, hmm, would it be better to make a little less money so I don't get slammed with these big taxes? That was a yeah. very real thought that went through my head. And I cried. I was, yeah. 
especially when you know you're meant for greatness and it's like, well, and you have the old tapes of like, don't be ungrateful from family or like, don't be greedy. It's like, well, maybe this is good enough. Maybe this level is where I should stop because if I'm already scared of what I'm getting stand with now, what on earth is going to happen? I'm making multi, multi, multi millions. Like, and I had to do a lot of internal work and like journaling and get support for my coaching and leaning into my foundation and my identity, my identity as someone who has wealth beyond imagination, wealth beyond reason, more money than she wants to do with. And I realized, no, this is not where I'm meant to stop. I've only barely started. And so I leaned in and decided I'm going to keep leveling up. I can manage this big surprise of taxes and I'm going to just generate more and more money. But it brought up so much fear that it was a hiccup for a good couple of weeks where I was like pretty freaked out, probably a month of freaking out, which is not typical for Nicole. I freak out and I get back into my power really fast. This was big enough and unexpected enough that it threw me off for a while and I got scared of like, am I going to go back now? Or am I going to lean in? And I chose to lean in. I think that's what the really successful do. When it's easy, it's easy. When it's hard, who are you in that moment? Are you actually little Nicole where you're, you think that you're getting away with being successful, but it's actually all a fluke? Or are you actually this massively successful, wealthy person on the inside who knows more is even more in store for her? And so you're going to lean in and keep fucking going. And I decide to keep fucking going. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and that's the testament, right? And and for me, I can tell you, like, I probably could not say that I have a similar moment or experience or, or outcomes without the coaching and the therapy and the journaling and the meditation and just reinstilling a new program. Like, I, I believe we live in the matrix, probably not actually, but, you know, how would you know? And I always think about this idea, like, you you have the power to really bend the world to you, right? There There's a scene at the end where the agents are shooting Neo against the wall. It's one of the last scenes of the film and he's dead for a split second. And then what happens is he actually believes that he's the one and he stands up and he pulls the bullets out of himself and then they shoot him again and he pauses them in midair and he looks at him and drops them and he goes, wait, I control this. And that's life. Like that truly is life. And, and as you were speaking, I had two thoughts. One, I remember the moments especially in my early 20s, where before I was working for the Fortune 10 company and making real money, where I'd be like, God, I can't wait till tax time. I need that $1,800 more than I need yes. an air. And, and realizing how, how limited that is. So that's one. And I'm really glad I don't think that way anymore. And I, I wish more people wouldn't. I understand the struggle. I've been there. I was homeless as a fucking kid. So like, I get it. But two... Grant Cardone told me something after he invested in Think Unbroken and became a business partner. And he said, you're thinking too small. And mm -hmm. as you were talking, the thing I was thinking, Nicole, was like, you should be worried about getting $10 million in taxes due, not six yeah. figures. Yes. And and to me, that's that's not about fame and celebrity and riches, but it's like, are you going as big as you can? Are you yeah. really fucking showing up as hard as you can as mm -hmm. living the life as much as you can? But it's that reprogramming process and the belief of self that ultimately leads to that place where you can have that. Cause like, I'm not, I don't have a hundred million dollars, but it's like on the docket. Why? Because if you make more, you can give more. And if you give more, you can create change in the world. And ultimately 
entrepreneurs are the people who are going to change the world. These corporations don't give a fuck about you. The government doesn't give a fuck about you. Your job does not care. I promise if you get fired, they will replace you so fast. It will make your head spin. And I look again, entrepreneurship is not for everyone. I think entrepreneurship is really beautiful. Becoming a leader in a corporation for something you believe in is incredible. Many, many friends who are on that path. But I think for some people, if you're in this place in life where you're like, I believe that I am supposed to do this thing and the job, the career, the boyfriend, girlfriend, the, the situation you're in, the city, the car, you like all the things in your life are stopping you. Like, I really think you need to ask yourself some hard questions, which then leads to my next question. As you've progressed, like I, I'm going to rewind this. You're, you're in this, you're looking at life fucking food stamps came in, you're in the grocery store. I know the power of how uncomfortable, and I won't put the word embarrassing in your mouth, but for me, it was embarrassing to have to go and do that and then have this, for lack of a better term, in context of the conversation, coming to Jesus moment and asking myself a really hard question. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm curious about in that moment, the, like that split second before the shift what was the question that you were asking yourself? Oh, yeah, I think it was, is this it? Is this it? Is this all life has to offer me? This is all I'm capable of becoming. And you're right. I was very embarrassed by food stamps because we had, I had a couple different food stamps and one of them were vouchers. And you were only allowed to buy specific brands of specific measurements and specific sizes for you to check out. So I do my best. So it takes three times as long to pick out your groceries. And then you get to check out and be like, oh, this is the wrong brand or the wrong size or the wrong weight. Go back. And so you have, and everyone in line behind you sees your white vouchers. So everyone knows you're on, you're on food stamps and then everyone's waiting. The line would always get so clogged behind me because I'm running back and forth. I accidentally grabbed five bananas. You're only allowed four bananas. It was so demoralizing. And I'd finish this. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? And the turning, I mean, there's many different turning points, but one of the turning points for me is for when I was on food stamps for nine years, for the, the last five of those years, we were working harder and longer hours and making less money. Like I, like you couldn't make that up. I'm like, is this a sick joke? Is this the fucking matrix? Like, how can I be working harder and longer and making less money? And so that's when I realized there's got to be more to money than just physical dollar bills. There's got to be more to money than what Dave Ramsey is teaching. Like there, and that's when I learned about like the energetic side of money. And that's when I started studying the inner world versus the outer world and your mind versus matter. And like, as I dove into wealth energetics, which is actually a program I'm starting next week because it changed my life. It, it was, it, everything shifted. And I realized I was looking at money completely wrong. My mindset was completely off. And I realized it was my mindset, my beliefs that was creating my reality which means I can change my mindset and my beliefs to change my reality. And that was a training point. Like, this has got to be a joke. There's got to be a better way. And I found a better way. Hey, what's up on Broken Nation? We'll be right back to today's episode, but I want to take a moment and invite you to Think Unbroken Conference. That's right. Our next conference is happening right around the corner this December with amazing speakers from around the world who are leaders in personal development, trauma education, mindset, and more. All you have to do to register to watch for free, that's right, $0. Come and join us is go to myunbrokenlife.com, register and sign up. You can get access 
to the free event. Watch it live with us this December. It'll be myself speaking along with amazing human beings like Anthony Trucks, Jamie Bronstein, Leslie Logan, and a special interview that I'm doing with Dr. Gabor Mate that has never before been released. So come and join us, myunbrokenlife.com. All you have to do is put in your email. We'll send you over the registration. You'll be able to come and join us, watch live. And then if you want access to the recordings or more information there for you to keep them forever. But in the meantime, go sign up block it off on your calendar. This is going to be a transformational experience that you do not want to miss. Head over to myunbrokenlife.com to register for free. Until next time, be unbroken. You know, it's really funny as so many people, uh, let me rephrase it like this, in the world that we live in, in personal development and personal growth and coaching and all the things, because you and I are in very similar path, people or in our world, use the word mindset all the time. I use it all the time. You use it all the time. Everybody uses it all the time. And and a lot of times people are like, can you just get to the content? Will you just teach me what I'm supposed to learn? And it's like, well, if your mindset's not fucking right, this is not going to matter because yeah. you're going to immediately try to debunk it. You're going to try to rationalize yourself out of it. You'll try to make meaning of why you can't have it. Like people will make meaning of anything. They will always yeah. find a way to justify the things that happen for, for money specifically. Cause I think it matters and it matters probably now more than ever. We're obviously about to be in the biggest global recession in the history of the world. Um, bananas are $97 a pound now. Like it's not going to, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think everybody needs to understand that. And, and I, I've been constantly thinking about this idea. It's not about, I wish prices would go down. It's about how do I make more revenue? How do I make more income? How do I build myself up more? Because when you're trapped in that small mindset of, okay, I got a budget. And look, of course you have to budget. I budget, we run businesses. There's always money involved. Like you have to be smart, but it's about, can I put myself in a position to learn, to allow myself the space to welcome in more abundance? Another word fucking thrown around in this industry, like hotcakes, but it's true. And so I'm curious, like, what are the a, what are you excited about right now in terms of your reaction? And B, like, what what was the major major shift you had about money? Oh my god, I'm like, like, ah, I'm so excited. I can talk about money all the live long day. I'm like, obviously obsessed with it because because of everything you just said. Once I realized my mindset was creating my reality, I realized that I had all the power. I kept waiting for my circumstances to change. I kept waiting to win the lottery, though I never bought a ticket for it. I kept waiting for my. <laughs> I kept waiting for my rich relative to die and give me the money. If I didn't have rich relatives, we like think crazy, irrational thoughts as humans. And that's what we have to, we have to master our mindset because I literally thought I could win the lottery someday. That'd be the dream. But did I ever buy a lottery ticket? No. Like who am I kidding? But that actually was a real thought in my brain for years. I can't wait to win the lottery someday. It's going to be the thing that saves me. Like it's irrational. So if I'm willing to like go that extreme of my, my brain and my thoughts, surely I can actually channel that to actually helpful thoughts. And then I got so excited when you talk about budgeting because budgeting makes me want to vomit, vomit. I hate the word budget. I'm in the process of brainstorming with my, my become a money magnet course. It's a new word for it because it, it, it has the energy of limitation for so many people, right? I, as a very free and flowy and fluid human, traditional budgeting doesn't work for me. And I don't want a traditional budget because a traditional budget gives you a traditional life. I want an unconventional life. So I'm going to have an unconventional budget. This was the shift that changed things for me financially. 
a traditional budget is you look at how much you're making, you look at your expenses, you typically feel crabby about your expenses because so many of us overspend than what we make. And now you have to look where to contract. I got to take less over here and spend less over there. And it's all lack energy versus when I do, I do the opposite. I look at my income, I look at my expenses, and I look at how much more money do I need to make each month to add breathing room to feel really good. And I did this when I was on food stamps. When I did this, I was like, I actually need an extra $2,000 per month to actually be able to pay all our bills and have a little bit left over. To make an extra $2,000 back then, you could have told me that was $2 million. That's how big it felt. It felt big and scary and impossible, but at least I had a number to start with. So instead of focusing on how to contract and subtract and spend less, it was like, how can I become and, make, and become a match for more? How can I make more? So I went all from this energy from contraction to creativity. And I started brainstorming, thinking bigger and driving as I just made an extra 2,000 bucks, shopping as I made an extra 2,000 bucks. And my whole energy, body, mind, lived experience changed doing budgeting that way. Now I went on to like make $2,000 a month. Now I average $2,000 a day, which still blows my mind because that wasn't even a concept in my mind back then. I just wanted an extra $2,000 a month. So that's where we have to shift from traditional decisions because you're just going to get a traditional life. If you want an unconventional life, you typically have to make unconventional decisions. So instead of focusing on how do I pay my bills, I focus on how can I create more? How can I be a match for more? How can I generate more? And that's when all the possibilities open up to us. Yeah, I, I love that. And it is energetic because I think in the same way, when you think about relationships or success, the car you drive, the kind of career you have, everything, everything comes down to what you believe you deserve. And we historically as human beings will tolerate a lot. And, and unfortunately you're always going to get what you tolerate from yourself. And, and the hard part, look, I'll trace it back. I, I distinctly remember you know, being in at 25 years old, I'm 350 pounds. I'm rock bottom. I, I'm making, I, pr I probably wasted a million dollars. Literally. I'm brutally in debt. Everything's a nightmare because I was living the exact life that everyone told me. And I've talked about my mirror moment on this up on this show many times where I looked at myself and I was like, everything is different. And it made me think about this client that I was working with recently as we were going through coaching. And he came to me and he's like, I am trapped every single day by the fear of being who I want to be. And I asked him a question. I said, what do you think is going to happen when you die? He goes, I think that I'm going to wish that I would have lived my life. And I go, well, maybe it's fucking time, huh? And I think that's one of the hardest things that we do. Cause in, in my moment of that, it was, I literally had to, and this is where I'm leading. And I don't know if this is true for you. I had to literally force myself into the life I live today. Yeah. How much of this jerk? Cause motherfuckers are out here. Like I read the secret. Nothing's different. Yeah. No shit. I'm wondering what was the process for you of actually creating this? Yeah. I love that. And that, resonates with me because it was back when I was on food stamps, I read this article um, called the top 10 regrets of the dying. And the one of the top 10, two of them was they wish they had been like lived their truth was actually who they really were, not who the others needed them to be. And they wish they had actually gone after their dreams. 
And I read that and I was like, those are two regrets I will not have at the end of my life. Like it, it gave me this fire of like, I want to live my authentic truth now. And I want to go all in on my dreams. I do not want to die with that, with those regrets. And so finding things that infuse you to go after it is so important. So whether it's personal development books, journaling, listening to this podcast, whatever your channel is for inspiration, keep feeding yourself because it's so easy to stop. It's so easy to sabotage. It's so easy to quit. But if you know you're meant for more and you're meant for greatness, you have to fuel your self-belief. So for me, it was me learning to not rely on others to save me. So I was relying on my church to save me financially with a job, with opportunities. I was so afraid to walk away because they were all my connections to mega church. They had a ton of connections to other churches and conferences. And if I left my church, I was leaving all those connections. But I had to focus on not just what I was losing, but I was gaining. I was gaining peace. I was gaining my own permission to stay, do, wear whatever the fuck I wanted and not have to get approval by anyone else. I had permission to start my own business if I so chose to, pick my own prices. So I lean into what would it look like for me to create money on my terms? What would it look like for me to create success or sex um, on my terms? What would that look like? And I gave myself permission to dream and imagine. And I've, I think I've always known I've wanted to be like, do my own thing. I didn't, I didn't have the word entrepreneur in my vocabulary back then, but I wanted to be an entrepreneur and create a life based on my terms. And so I decided, well, if no one's going to give me the job of my dreams, I might as well create my own fucking job. And that's when I started my life coaching business and began to put a number to something I naturally did well. This is what I help people realize. You're already doing something so amazingly and brilliantly and naturally, and you're just not making money on it because you typically aren't seeing it from a business framework. You're just like, oh, it's so easy for me. Who would ever pay me for this? Or anyone can do this. Like I could never charge for this. If I make money doing what I love, isn't it going to make me hate it? And it's like, no, learning how to monetize your shit. I literally have a program called Monetize Your Shit. When you learn how to monetize who you are and what you do so naturally, it is the easiest way to make money. And it makes it more fun. I already loved life coaching. I realized I was coaching people for years for fucking free. You know how much more I love it getting paid for it? I still do what I love. I'm just making bank while I'm doing it. So figure out like, what is it that you naturally do well, you enjoy doing, you feel like you do it all day long. Now let's put a number to it. And back when I started, I wanted to sell a $10,000 coaching package, but energetically, there's no way I had the confidence to sell that. All I could do at that time was sell a coaching package for a month of support for me for $250. People now pay me $50,000 to work with me one-on-one. Totally different spot, but I had to start where I could, I could actually begin. So pick a number, even if it's tiny, 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 because once you do there, you can grow it. So my first month, I charged two fifty. dollars Loved it so much, did it so well. The next month, I doubled it to 500, crushed it with my clients, doubled it the next month to 1,000. After that, I charged 3,000 and I just slowly raised my rates as I got more experience. I got more confident. I got more rating testimonials. But it starts with you dreaming and giving yourself permission to create something of your own. Yeah, and and being willing to be okay. Like, it's so fascinating to me, the human psychology around the idea that we should just give everything to everybody. And like, we hear this adage all the time, those who don't pay, don't pay attention. And it's so true. I probably have 8,000 free courses I've signed up for downloaded on my computer. I'm never going to do anything with them, but I can promise you this. When I paid my coach 50 grand, I promise you I showed up. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And 
what that is. And and also like I, I can rewind to like 250, right? Paying a hundred dollars for a session, like whatever. And and it's scary, especially in the beginning. But it's in doing that that you find out what you're actually really made of. Yeah. And it may not be entrepreneurship for you, right? And that's totally fine. Like you, but also think about this. You're working at, you know, the grocery store, you're working at the gas station, you're working at these minimum wage jobs because you have decided that's and that's not to say these positions don't matter and there's not import of those in the world because it's certainly true. But you have to ask yourself, like Nicole, your question, like, is this all? Is this all there is? Because if the answer is no, it is your responsibility to do something about it. But yeah. you have to be willing to face the fear of figuring out who you are in that process and owning it. And and I look, I'm going to be remiss if I don't ask the question because people are probably like, okay, you hit us with this giant opener. You haven't gotten to this thing. Like, what is going on? <laughs> How do you transition into the authenticity of owning who you are and your truth to step into your sexuality in a way that has benefited you for the positive? Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, well, I love talking about money and sex. So perfect segue and talking about my two favorite things. But real quick, I want to say something in regards to what you just said. It is not your fault for what's happened to you. It is your responsibility, however, to heal that shit right? Not your fault for where you're born and what people did to you, but it is your responsibility to heal it so you can rise the fuck up. So um, I've always been a very sexual person. And because of my upbringing, I learned very quickly that wanting to be a stripper in middle school was not acceptable. Like I was like, I was so excited. I was so free. I was free in my body, free in my sexuality until I was taught to not to be free. So be, when I was still free with that, I mentioned it to some friends like, oh my God, doesn't like everyone want to be a stripper? Wouldn't that be amazing to dance on like a, a pool or on bar tops? And the looks I got, I realized, oh, I'm not allowed to say that. And so I learned from a very young age to snuff it all down inside of me to not let anyone know about my sexuality and how much I yearned to be a performer um, for almost my entire life. And then it was like my mid-30s where I left everything in 2017 and I was like, I'm just going to trust the call in my heart that somehow it's going to lead me somewhere though I have no idea where. And that's when I started like dabbling in like modeling. I'm like, well, I'm new to California. Modeling, everyone's a fucking model out here. I might as well just try it. It'll be fun. Like who cares? Like not even thinking much of it. Cause I just, I've always wanted to be expressed. And so I booked my first modeling shoot. It was my first full nude shoot. And I I've never felt more holy and pure in my entire life. And as I took off my clothes, I remember thinking to myself, I was always meant to take my clothes off. It felt like home. And the photos came back so beautifully that when I posted them on social media, they were like wildfire. And I started getting bookings from photographers from everywhere. Like I was booked three times a week forever doing shoots. And I'm, I realized I was onto something here. My desire to be sexual wasn't random. It was part of my destiny. And so I booked all these shoots that had all these photos and you can't post most of them to social media. And then that's when I learned about OnlyFans and I was like, oh snap, I get a place to like post my sexy photos and make some money while at it. Fuck yes. Like this is a dream come true. And so I po started posting them online on, on OnlyFans and just like feel what it feels like to put my stuff out there for the world to see and make some money while at it. And I freaking loved it. So now I've been doing it for almost three years. I make a lot of money in my OnlyFans and I feel like I'm home. And in many ways, I still feel like a pastor just with less clothes on. I take off my clothes to serve the people instead of keep the clothes on to serve the people. And it's 
amazing. I, I can't help but have to ask this question because I think it's incredibly important because people, there are a handful of people who I know listening to this are going to judge. They're going to cast judgment. They're going to throw stones and they're going to say, oh, this is obviously just unhealed trauma for this woman and she has a ton of problems she needs to work through. What, I'm going to ask this in a very concise way. Mm-hmm. When you live your life on your terms, how does it make you feel? Oh my gosh, like a million bucks. Happy, at peace, aligned, a person of integrity, because my insides now match my outsides. I'm not trying to be something, but feel something differently. Um, joyful. I, I've never felt happier healthier i've never been wealthy i've never felt closer to god than in the work that i do because i'm literally peeling off all the layers it is just me but naked uh, before the divine and you have to make peace with that before you do what i do online you it if you want to heal all your childhood trauma you should start an only fans all this stuff and, and be public about it like what do you do when your family finds out what do you do when your friends find out what do you do when your kids find out like you want to heal your shit start an only fans you you don't want to heal your shit and just cast judgment don't start an only fans and judge people who do like starting this account is like the greatest transformation i forced myself to go through and i think that's part of why it's so successful is i have such clean energy around it i'm so authentic i feel so free that my fans eat it up because you don't get that everywhere. There's a lot of people who do it from brokenness or trauma. So where do you go to find a place where it's born from fullness and pureness and authenticity? It's not very common. Thankfully, it's becoming more common. And I help coach people and support women who start OnlyFans because I want them to build it from a place of wholeness. But it, it's why I love it. It's why I've been doing it so long. And it's why I have such loyal fans and why I make so much money. It is a breath of fresh air for people who come to that space. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I, <laughs> that's a quotable. And I, I think about this every single day where it's like, we live in a world that is so, we live in a country specifically, especially if you live in the United States, where it's like sex is everywhere, but make sure you don't talk about it but it's everywhere. <laughs> Buy our product. Don't talk about it, but it's everywhere. Go look at the number one Google results on planet earth. It's everywhere, but don't talk about it. And, and like, it's a part of our innate being as humans. Mm-hmm. And I think that the greatest sense of freedom is self-expression in whatever way you deem is best suited for you. And if it's not for you, that's okay. Right. But to cast judgment against things you don't understand is the ultimate fixed mindset. And yeah. whereas I, I look at the world through this scope of allow people the space to be themselves and you will see the truth of who they are. And in that, it, what happens is you'll get a reflection about who you are because if someone's truth makes you uncomfortable, you probably need to ask yourself some hard questions. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that it, this conversation that what people will take away is just understanding the reality that this is up to you. There's no right or wrong. There is no this or that. It's just simply, who do you want to be? And are you willing to move through the fear to be that person? 
Because if you are, it's really fucking beautiful what happens on the other side. And that's not about necessarily entrepreneurship or sex or any of those. It's just, can you honor your truth and get to that place where when you look in the mirror, you're okay with the reflection on the other side. And that to me is healing. That to me is what it means to be the hero of your own story. Nicole, my friend, this conversation has been incredible. Um, before I ask you my last question, where can everyone find you? Thank you for this conversation. It's been incredible, Michael. I'm just like still forward and happy and tickled. Um, you can find me on all the social medias. Um, you can go to NicoleMitchell.com to find my social media, to find my programs, to learn more about me. I'm the most active on Instagram and Facebook, and I would love for you guys to come say hi. Brilliant. Of course, we'll put the links in the show notes. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? I love this. I think it's for me to realize I was never broken in the first place. I've always been whole. Returning to my wholeness changed everything. So I realized there was nothing to fix. There were just things to heal. And once I returned to my wholeness and worthiness, the world is yours. Anything is possible. Mm. Brilliantly said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five-star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.